Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we started a short series on how to study and understand Scripture. And a lot of the questions that we are kind of posing are questions that can apply to either the brand new Christian or or someone who's never been discipled um, on how to study their Bible. But I think there's a lot of stuff here also for for mature Christians. Um, so today we're asking the question, what are the basic rules of biblical interpretation? I'm going to start by just recommending a book. I, th- I think probably the most helpful, influential book for me on this particular topic is R.C. Sproul's Knowing Scripture. Um, it's extremely accessible. It walks through basic principles of interpretation technical term for that is hermeneutics, but I find found that to be extremely helpful, and this is pre, pre-seminary, pre-pastor life, um, so this would have been a book I'd read probably somewhere around 20 years ago, and I, I found it to be... Knowing Scripture by R.C. Sproul. Yes, very yeah. helpful, mm-hmm. on, on, and basically the things I'm going to talk about are largely from what I learned from R.C. Sproul. Sure, and I, you know, I mean... Well, basic rules, you need to understand that there are different genres that are that have been written, whether they're whether it's a narrative, whether it's a poetry, whether it's there's a, an apocalyptic element to it, you know, and those take different levels of understanding the interpretation that's gonna take place. You know, basic rule is the is the the historical, grammatical, and literal approach to it. You know, you're not looking for some esoteric meaning. You're not doing numerology on it, counting letters and that sort of thing. Uh, There's no, you know, this was something that uh, the church has faced for a long time. They referred to them as the Gnostics because they came to Scripture and they had special knowledge. Well, you know, when somebody says, God said to me, mm-hmm. and you have no way to put uh, your finger in the text and show whether that's true or not. That's an element of Gnosticism, mm-hmm. and this is what people bring to it. So the literal, grammatical, historical approach, what does that word literally mean? And and then, you you know, like, for instance, even in, like, let's see, in the English language, you can say the sentence structure matters, you know, where you say, the rat ate the cheese, you can have the same words, the cheese ate the rat, and it changes the entire meaning. Well, in in Hebrew or Greek, it's the word endings that change the meaning of it. You can actually have those same words in any order in 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 that. So this is why, um, you know, the, the knowledge of what those words actually mean is Im- important. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of the reasons why your pastor will go to seminary and learn Hebrew and Greek in order to be able to discern those things at a higher level, whereas you might be able to compare uh, several English translations of the Bible mm-hmm. uh, and see those things. But when I say the literal meaning of a word, in English, 
a, a word can mean multiple things. Well, you don't import all four of those meanings into the text. Mm-hmm. You Now you need a context. What meaning of those four different definitions given to a word yeah. actually applies here? Yeah. And so you're talking about hermeneutics, you know, the... And so it's a, a literal, grammatical, historical approach. Mm-hmm. Who was it written to, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to list off some principles that I think might be helpful. First, um, I think the number one thing is the analogy of Scripture. Use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Um, if the Bible was inspired, since the Bible was inspired by God, is um, God breathed. Um, it God is the author. God can't contradict himself. Mm-hmm. And so how do we understand what the Scripture says? Well, compare it to other passages of Scripture and allow Scripture to interpret Scripture for you. Um, before um, you look other places, I would first see, and this is where a good Bible with cross-references can be helpful, where where what other parts of the Scripture are talking about this same idea? Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan talked about um, the second principle I would say is nor- interpret according to the normal literary sense. Mm-hmm. We, we read the Bible like we read every other book. Nouns are nouns, verbs are verbs. Um, we follow the same rules of grammar and speech and syntax and context. So we read parables as parables, symbols as symbols. Um, it's You don't come into the Bible, and, and like Jonathan was saying, you don't look for some sort of special code to unlock it. But no, it's written like another book. Mm-hmm. It's not like another book in the fact that this is is divine. Divine, but we mm-hmm. read it like another book. Mm-hmm. Um, third, remember the context. When was it written? To whom? What's the biblical, historical, cultural context? Where is it found in the Bible? Um, what's its immediate context? And then kind of work out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just going to ask lots of questions about, okay, I mean, if I find a letter... I'm not going to just read the letter and go, oh, it doesn't matter to me who it was written to and who wrote it and at what time period. Well, that's silly. Of course it matters who it was written to and who it was written by and at what time period it was written. Well, Mm -hmm. the Bible's the same way. So you just belted off um, several rules and maybe just like the first one, like scripture interprets scripture. Where does are, are you just making an assertion or, or where does that rule come from? Are you just pulling it out of thin air? I think you see this in the, in the scriptures itself. The, the New Testament authors, Jesus also, would, would take Scripture and use them to help define meaning. And from so, like the Old Testament. Like, like the Old instance, Testament. Jesus quotes uh, from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other. You know, this is the, you know, this is the book of the, the second time the, we read about the law of God in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, is in, in Deuteronomy. That's what it's referring to, the second law. Um, but but he quotes from that because it's full of application, and you'll see that over and over. So he recognizes the unity of the Bible, and we recognize Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, God himself. And uh, so uh, he's showing us how to use the Bible. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we're not just making up because because we belong to the reform tradition. We're not just making up rules because we're reform people. We're making up. We're we're recognizing that these rules 
are part of what scripture teaches us. The, the, the Bible is teaching us how to interpret it. Well, and the other day I, I said, we, we need to do is we need to humble ourselves before the word of God. And part of humbling ourselves before the word of God, when we think that we ourselves have found a contradiction, recognize that God uh, doesn't have those things. Humble yourself under that and actually look for how this harmonizes with another place in Scripture. And I think it's important to note what Josh is, is getting at here, that we're not trying to just make things up that, that then fit how we want the Bible to be read and interpreted. Using Scripture to interpret Scripture is a pattern we see in the Scripture itself. Mm-hmm. Some of the other principles that we're giving are just, are just wisdom, mm-hmm. um, wisdom that hopefully has been gleaned over over time of what are best practices with regard to how to correctly understand what God's word is saying. Um, So, you know, can I say that we read the Bible like any other book that I can find a chapter and verse that tells me that? Well, probably not. But wisdom and church history Mm -hmm. um, helps me in that, in that area. Um, one of the other rules I, that I use is that the implicit should be used to interpret or should be interpreted by the explicit. Yeah. There are harder parts of Scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use the clearer parts of Scripture to help me understand those that are less clear. So, for instance, you come to James 2 and it talks about being justified by works, which seems to contradict what Paul says in Romans 4. Well, which is the less clear passage? What James too is because Paul talks about justification by faith, you know, um, for for several chapters in a row. So you can start eliminating. Well, well, James can't be saying this. He can't be saying this. So then, what must he be saying? And that helps to under. So when you when you use one scripture to help bring light to another scripture, then the scripture is actually the lens through which you can say, nope, not this, not this, not this. Well, ha ha, maybe this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alistair Begg always says, the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. And I, I think that uh, for a lot of people, they're trying to look beyond. We're told um, that knowing this, it says in Second Peter, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God being the author of all of Scripture, we recognize that unity. That way we, that's why we say you can go back and you use Scripture to interpret Scripture. It, you know, you don't, you don't camp out on, you know, maybe one reference that's not found anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Be- um, there's um, there's might another be interpreting it wrongly. You, you might be interpreting it wrongly. Yeah. Um, there are there's a book by James Sire. Uh, I think it's called Twenty Wa- Twenty Ways Cults Misread the Bible. James Sire's written it, and there's an and and this is one of the problems. You know, they take a they take an esoteric passage. They don't they don't connect it with anything else, and then yeah. that becomes the governing principle for everything. Yeah. Well, one more principle. Um, it's found in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, this is chapter one, paragraph six. It says that the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for His own glory, for man's salvation, faith, and life is either number one expressly set down in scripture or number two 
by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture. And that's important because I think there are some tendencies out there. Um, my, my former pastor called it hyper-inductivism, where you say, well, I don't see the Trinity, the word Trinity in the Scripture, and so the Trinity is, is not therefore a doctrine. Well, the confession says, no, if things can be deduced, so if you have one verse, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4, that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, we have there the unity of God. But then in other places where it talks about, you know, for instance, being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we see the diversity of God or the personhood of God. And so you put those scriptures together and then you make a deduction, oh, Trinity, one God, three persons. So, so yes, we need to pay attention to what is expressly laid down, but we also need to be able to put truths together and then make deductions from it. I think another application of using Scripture to uh, interpret Scripture is just be careful when you're going through historical narratives that use the the teaching that's called the didactic portions of Scripture. Use the didactic portions, the teaching portions, to help you interpret narratives. Yeah, And people oftentimes get themselves in trouble by using just the narrative alone to draw certain conclusions. Um, and sometimes the narratives aren't always clear um, because sometimes they're telling us the positive things about saints. Sometimes they're telling us the vices of saints and without comment. And so you just have to be careful to make sure that other portions that are more clear are helping you inform how you interpret the narratives. Mm -hmm. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you have missed any of these broadcasts on how to study and understand the scripture, just subscribe to our podcast. Just make sure you type in The Gospel for Life in your app, and uh, you can catch up. We'll see you next time. 